This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Flashback Friday episode. If you're paying attention, the day this show is uploaded, it is November 10th. And right next to me is the person who's quite excited. It is a Friday. Kimmy, I got one name. Kimmy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Everybody, 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 everybody. Hi there, I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. That's right, and the person right next to me is the hero. She's great, and I like it. That is true. She is always doing something new. I like it, and I like the fact she's strange. I hope you will like it, too. And it is Kimmy. Hello. Hello. Welcome to a Friday, Kimmy. Thank you. I know you're excited about it. Yes. And Kimmy right now is still on rest. (laughs) Rest status. She's getting energized because real soon, the Riley and Kimmy show will be out and about. That's right. We are getting ready. right it's hard to hold back the excitement with kimmy i hope she can keep this a secret for a little bit because we we have been giving clues to uh the big event the riley and kimmy show will be part of on the previous episode that is episode number 1425 we have two clues right kimmy mm-hmm. now i don't know if we'll have two clues on this episode one thing's for sure we will have more clues available on our facebook page and we will be revealing the answer on our Facebook page. So uh, best thing is to follow us on Facebook and you can find all our social media links right on our website. You can do that right now at RileyandKimmy.com. Now here is a clue. Kimmy, are you ready for the clue? Mm-hmm. Here is the clue to an upcoming event. If you'd like to find those previous clues, they're available right on our episode before this one. That's 1,425. You can find that on our Facebook page. Oh, boy. Twitter, social media, other social media we have it on. Also available linked right on our website. Also, you can listen daily on iHeartRadio and also iTunes, just uh, some of the platforms available because we aim to please. You can find that clue. So many places. Our website is what, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. RileyandKimmy.com. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? Yes, Kimmy, would you like to play a game on this Flashback Friday? Would you like to go back in time to the thrilling days of yesteryear and challenge your brain cells? Oh, yes. All right, I'm glad you said yes. Now, one of the things I want to point out is the timeline. The trivia timeline has been adjusted. That means it is not in chronological or linear order. Kimmy believes in time travel answers. I, I don't know how this works, but she says it does. Shout out. 
answers and Kimmy gets them. That's right. So yell at whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now. And it could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. Tell your friends you found a place that offers pop culture discussion every single day you heard right a brand new episode of variety talk show that's what the riley and kimmy show is all about and as we stressed a little bit earlier and we will say it again we are available on iHeartRadio and also itunes and other social platforms you can find all those links right on our website right now at rileyandkimmy.com please don't miss an episode because if you miss a little you miss a lot right yeah Kimmy, here we go with your very first question. It is in probably one of your top two categories, and that is... Movies, or maybe you prefer films. Maybe you're more highbrow. I prefer to call them films. Okay, if that is what you like, Kimmy, this film came out on this date in history. It premiered in Chicago, Illinois. Question for you is, can you identify this John Hughes film... And tell us the year it came out and who was the star of the film. Here is your audio clue. A super shower washing every body part with actual soap, including all my major crevices, including in between my toes and in my belly button, which I never did before but sort of enjoyed. I washed my hair with the Don't Formula shampoo and used cream rinse for that just wash shine. I can't seem to find my toothbrush, so I'll pick one up when I go out today. Other than that, I'm in good shape. What is the movie, Kimmy? Home Alone. That is correct, Kimmy. The year it came out within two years. Mm. Plus or minus two years. 19. Oh. Not, not oh. Nine, not 1900. I'm thinking, not 1901. She gets it within two years. It was 1990 that came out. And who is the young star? He was the young star at the time. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Do you think, now I, I assume he has done the convention scene over the course of time, autograph sessions. Do you think people walk up to his table and say, do it? Uh-huh. Do, do you? Do you uh, think they do uh, that? Uh-huh. Uh, that kind of get old, wouldn't it? Totally. Maybe it was cute when he was that age, but I bet... You know, five years beyond that 10, it got really old. Mm. Yeah, will you do it again? Do it. Okay. Or when he walks into a room, like a bunch of people go, ah. That <laughs> yeah, probably did get a little old. It was on a state in history. This TV show made its debut on PBS. Kimmy, tell me first the name of the TV show and then give us the year within two years that it premiered. Here is your clue. Sesame Street. Sesame Street. Come and play. Everything's A-OK. Okay. Friendly neighbors, 
You got the first part. Correct. Kimmy, now give us the year. Within two years, as Sesame Street debuted on television on PBS. 1970. She gets it within two. It was 1969. What was the original color of Oscar the Grouch? Orange. Ooh, you are a freak. I got upset when it turned green. You're not that old. Somebody had to have that on video, too. <laughs> that, that is the case. See, it didn't matter to me because I never had color television. I saw the street in black and white. Mm. So it didn't matter. Now, by the way, how would you like to hear the original Sesame Street theme, the pilot theme yeah. for Sesame Street? that lounge jack thing singing singing that version don't you kind of it's a little too hippie and a little too trippy creepy oh she thinks it's creepy yo couldn't you see wearing a, like a lounge suit and singing that and being a lounge singer singing that one hey maybe well we, you know a, a grown man singing let's go play yeah and, well okay and, uh, a little bit creepy hey mr rogers used to sing was there something wrong with that was that bob singing that's very good because I've never been able to find a credit for that, and I think it is Bob. I think it, it very good. You have an excellent ear there, Kimmy. I am almost convinced that's Bob. And you know, Bob has done in the past uh, conventions and tours and autograph signings. Oh. And I wish Bob would come down to Florida. Yeah. Bob is like a favorite of mine. I'd love to meet Bob. Sure. I'd love to talk to Bob. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Bob from Sesame Street. Kimmy, it was on this date, 1775. This military branch was organized... This day is observed as a birth date of a certain branch of the military. Question for you is, what branch is it? We have an audio clue here for you, Kimmy. A certain TV show's character sang the theme, or actually the 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 anthem, the, the hymn, for the certain military branch. Here is your audio clue. From the halls of my We fight our country's battle on the land and on the sea. This here's my favorite part. Can you tell me the military branch, Kimmy? 
The Marines? That's correct. The United States Marine Corps birthday today. If you know a Marine, wish them happy birthday. I have relatives who served in the United States Marine Corps, and they listen to the Riley and Kimmy show. They're probably screaming at me right now. Although they did not hate Gomer Pyle, I always wondered, well, as a kid it didn't dawn on me, but as an adult in the last 10 years visiting one of the relatives, I said, you know, hey, did you hate Gomer Pyle? I mean, this relative served in Vietnam in the Marine Corps. He goes, oh, no, not, not at all, you know. He goes, matter of fact, we, we experienced some Gomers during our time period. I said, okay. <laughs> I, kind of, I didn't know if they found that, you know, offensive or not. Mm. Moving to music trivia, Kimmy, your strongest category. It was 1967. This single is released the first time it does not chart in the United States. In 1967, it does not chart in the United States. It would become a hit when it's reissued in 1972 in the United States. Identify the song. Senior citizens wish they were young. Cold-hearted orb that rules the night Removes the colors from our sight Red is gray and yellow-white But we decide which is right And which is an illusion Can you identify that number two hit in 1972 Released on this date originally in 1967? Nights in white satin Nights in white satin Never reaching the end Letters I've written Never meaning to send And who had that as a hit, Kimmy? The Moody Blues. Yes, the Moody Blues. I had the fortune to see them perform that, hear them perform that live. Cool. Yeah, it was it was really cool. And there was one guy who just plays the tambourine. I'm like, I can do that. I really can. <laughs> I can, I really I can. I can be. Up I there. don't know. Well, that is true. I got kicked out of uh, the uh, school band. I played a block of wood and a triangle, uh, and that was my and and one symbol. They didn't give me two symbols. Give me they gave me one symbol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the three performances I did before they were like, you're. I got the hook. They're like, <laughs> they're like, I actually got kicked out of a school band. Oh. I mean, I was set. Packing. Wow. You know, I was a percussionist that didn't it just uh, it was a beat off. That's what you know it was. It was it, I was gone. You know, mm. out the door is what they did. Mm. Staying in music, the next question: 1969. This song receives a gold record. The song had actually been released 20 years earlier. Our question for you, Kimmy, two part. Tell us the name of the song. You know, Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Kimmy, can you tell me the name of the song? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose, and if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. Kimmy, he was a singing cowboy. He was one of the singing cowboys way back when. Had many hits. Was big uh, in film, uh, also radio and other productions. Can you tell me who had Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as a hit? It was his. Mm, no. Gene Autry was uh. the answer. In 1969, he receives a gold record. The song had been released 20 years earlier. The year is 1973. This single is released. Now, it does not hit Number one, which is quite surprising, it hits the number five position on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. 
The first time it's released in 1973, a cover version back in the late 80s and into the 90s is done, which does hit number one. Now, this is one of my favorite songs of the 1970s. I think it's one of the songs that makes Kimmy cringe. Not not certain. But let's see if she can tell us the name of the song. Here it is. It's 1973. This was released. And where do we go from here? Which is a way that's clear. Still looking for that blue jean. Baby queen, prettiest girl I ever seen. See her shake on the movie screen. Can Kimmy tell me the name of that song? Rock on. Rock on. Rock on. Rock on. That's going to be a difficult question for Kimmy because I know she knows who sang the cover and had a number one hit for it. But can you tell me the original 1973? It was released on this date in history. Rock on. Who had it as a hit? I can't do it. It's David Essex. Now, who had the cover version and took it to number one? Um, The guy that played Danny Romilotti on Young and Restless? Yes, that guy. Kimmy, who is it? Mike, had, Michael Damien. Yes, he had the number one hit version. I love both versions, actually, the 70s version and the 80s version. Singing it right here in the Riley and Kimmy Show studio. Mm. Kimmy was just looking at me like I was crazy. The year is 1975. An ore-hauling ship and its entire crew of 29 vanished during a storm in Lake Superior, Kimmy. The year, which we did state, we'll just say it again, 1975 is when that happened. Shortly after this incident, a song is done and becomes a number two hit for two weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. Tell us the name of the song and you can tell us the name of the vessel. Here is your audio clue. The ship was the pride of the American side, coming back from some mill in Wisconsin. As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most, with a crew and good captain well seasoned. Concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms when they left fully loaded for Cleveland. Kimmy, can you identify that hit song? Edmund Fitzgerald. That's the name of the boat, and you need to add the wreck of the, and you got it. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. Kimmy, can you tell me who had that as a hit? Previous, he had the song Sundown as a hit. Who is it? Mm, no. It's Gordon Lightfoot who had that as a hit. I take it that's not part of your vinyl collection, CD collection, or even 8-tracks. Mm-mm. All right. One of my favorite songs of the 1970s. I'm surprised it actually charted that high considering it is kind of depressing and it is quite long. The song is. Mm. The year is 1978. Impossible music trivia time. This group's second album, Give Em Enough Rope, was released in England. The album would be their first United States release. They have a single, just one single release from the album. It does not chart in the United States. It does chart in Britain. It hits at number 19 at the highest chart position. See if you can figure out the band just by the sound. Here's your audio clue. Babylon, 
I did state it's impossible music trivia, I think. Kimmy, can you tell me the name of the band? Mm-mm. They would have a, well, a couple of top 40 hits, one of them being Rock the Casbah a few years later. Can you tell me who it is? Mm-mm. It's The Clash. Oh, yeah, The Clash. Okay. I need that one. I'm sure you did, Kimmy. We don't doubt you. The year is 1980. This CBS News anchor claims he had been kidnapped in a cab. It turns out that, well, he had refused to pay cab fare, so the cab driver took off with him in the car, which was legal in the city they were in. The cab driver was looking for a cop to make the guy pay. Tell me who... The anchor was, here's your audio clue. Back at CBS News election headquarters in New York, the, the presidential race is crackling like a hickory fire here. Can you tell me who that was, Gimme? Dan Rather. That's right. The year is 1981. This band releases the album Music from the Elder. There's a lone single from the album. It would reach number 56 in the United States, number 55 in Great Britain. See if you can identify who the group is. World without heroes is like a world without sun. You can't look up to anyone without heroes. And a world without heroes is like a never-ending race. It's actually one of my favorite songs by that group. Can you tell me who it is? No. Now, I'll give you an extra clue here to the song. On that album, it was the first album with drummer Eric Carr and the last album featuring Ace Freely until their 1996 reunion. Can you tell me who it is? Yes. That's right, and Gene Simmons is on lead vocals right there. I love that song, A World Without Heroes. The year is 1986. This individual's live 1975 to 1985 box set was released. Tell me who it is. Here's some of the songs on that live 1975-1985 box set. Are you paying attention? Mm -hmm. Thunder Road, Fire, Hungry Heart, Born to Run, Born in the USA. Can you tell me who it is? Bruce Springsteen. That's right. Do you have that set? No. By chance. Well, it was huge. The album generated advanced orders of more than 1.5 million copies, making it the largest dollar volume pre-order in the history of the recording business at the time. And if you're old enough, you might remember, record stores around the country found fans waiting in line before the stores opened for that box set. The album debuted at number one on Billboard's album chart, a then rare occurrence. It also became the first Five records set to reach the top ten and the first to sell over a million copies. It was released as a box set with either five vinyl records, three cassettes, or three CDs. And for those who really wanted it, there was also a record club only release that came on three eight track cartridges. Nice. Yes. I'm sure one of our friends out there. Possibly has eight-track cartridges, you know, has that. That's yeah. set, right? The year is 1992. This lead singer of Guns N' Roses is found guilty of assault and property damage at a 1991 Guns N' Roses concert in Maryland Heights, Missouri. He was given two years probation in order to pay $50,000 to community groups. Can you tell me who the lead singer was in 1992? Axel Rose. That's right. The year, Kimmy, is 1998 Star Trek Insurrection film directed by Jonathan Frakes. Premieres. Jonathan does star in it. 
but who stars as Captain Jean-Luc Picard? Welcome aboard. Who is it? Sir Patrick Stewart. That's right, Kimmy. The year is 1999. This actor receives a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He did films, but he's known for his television work in really, well, two comedies and then a more crime-oriented show. Tell me who it is. Here is your audio clue. He survived the Titanic. Coach, why didn't you call me over? I would have loved to have heard that story. Listen, from now on, when you hear an interesting story like that, call me over. It's one of the joys of bartending. Who is that, Kimmy? Ted Danson. That's right, Ted Danson, 1999. It's his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The year is 2014. This single is released. It would become the Billboard Song of the Year in 2015, the Grammy Record of the Year, Grammy Song of the Year in 2016. Tell me the name of the song. What is the name of the hit, Kimmy? Oh, I know it. You sure do. Can you tell me the name of the hit song? Uptown Funk? Who had that as a single? Who is the person who is the, you know, the title release? Bruno Mars. That's right. 2014. Do you have that somewhere on something? Mm, no. Celebrity and notable birthdays. Can we identify this person who is having a birthday? Here is your audio clue. Hi, kids. Space Ghost here, barking a happy tune with my close personal chums, Riley and Kimmy. And you are twitching and grooving with the Riley and Kimmy experience. <laughs> wow, how 60s is that? Kimmy, who is that? Aw, oh, that's George Lowe. Yes, Uncle George is having a birthday today. Kimmy, now the big question for you is, is George over or under 97 years of age? Oh, he's got to be under. Yes, you are correct. He is under 97 years of age. And the Riley and Kimmy Show would like to send a big, happy birthday out to George Lowe. Happy birthday, George. Happy birthday! <gasps> Yes, happy birthday, George. And on behalf of the Riley and Kimmy Show, please please go to a nearby Denny's and have breakfast, lunch, or dinner on us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, have a treat from us, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Make sure it's a Denny's. Yes. And yeah. tell them it's your birthday. Yes. 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 Have a grand slam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right, buddy. Just, just from us. And by the way, if you are nearby to George or you're a friend of his on Facebook, please wish him a happy birthday. He would deeply appreciate that, wouldn't he, Kimmy? Yes, he would. Kimmy, next person born on this day, 1924. Actor best known for a role on a TV series that originally aired on CBS. Identify the TV show with its instrumental theme. Gilligan's Island. That's right. He played on Gilligan's Island. You get Mondo points if you can actually tell me the actor's name. We will accept, because we really like you, Kimmy, the character that he played. Tell us the character. If you can tell us the name of the actor, that's bonus points. Here is your clue. Oh, I can't believe it. It's too good to be true. It's a communication cable. 
Don't you understand? It's a telephone line. We can telephone for help. Let's cross the yellow vine over the green vine. Now, we know we picked up Hawaii on the green wire and Australia on the yellow. That's right, and that should mean that the Western Hemisphere should come in over the brown, the yellow, or the green wire. Now, the key to the pattern seems to be the red wire. Skipper, I said the telephone wires simply don't work that way. Well, it's the only way to solve any problem. Logic. Now, using the deductive form of reasoning, the wires used most frequently should relate to the United States, which has more telephones per capita than any country in the world. Now, the combination of that color with other colors should indicate a progressive ratio scale with the other countries proportionate to the percentage of telephones located in those countries. It's really very easy, isn't it? Kimmy, can you tell me the name of the character? The Professor. Yes, that's correct. Now, the Professor actually had a name on the show. Do you know the, the Professor's name? It's Roy Hinckley. They did make reference to it in a couple episodes, especially the opening, you know, the very first episode when they have the radio playing and they give their names. Now, can you tell me the name of the actor who played the Professor? Mm, no, I can't. His name flashed on the screen, Kimmy. Yeah. It's Russell Johnson, who was born in 1924, died 2014 at the age of 89. He also appeared in two episodes of The Twilight Zone, both dealing with time travel. His character brings a murderer back from 1880 into the present, and that does not work very well. He does it by a time machine. That's in the season one episode called Execution. And then in season two, an episode which really stands out. It's one of my favorites. It's called Back There. He portrays a man who attempts to prevent the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. It's one of my favorite episodes of The Twilight Zone. He's also in an Outer Limits episode in 1964. He plays a crew member on a United States space station, an episode called Specimen Unknown, and something very cool to see him in, if you have the opportunity, is a episode of Thriller from 1961. He guest stars with William Shatner in The Hungry Glass. You remember that one, don't you, Kimmy? Mm. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Fantastic. See if you can identify this actor born on this date, 1925. Kimmy dies at the age of 58 in 1984. He was nominated for an Academy Award seven times, but never won an Oscar. His second wife was an actress. She was extremely famous. They were married more than once together. They divorced and remarried. Known for being in gossip columns because they fought a lot. Tell me who he is. Here's your audio clue. Yes, it's a little harder, I think, the second time round. Uh, despite the fact that one's technique, uh, etc., uh, there's a much more massive body of technique behind the performance than there was 20 years ago. But one of the most difficult things about the present production is that in the early part of the show, I have to, I have to make the audience believe that I'm vulnerable and that I'm not arrogant. Uh, and, and that is... Uh, very difficult because I've played so many kings and princes. I've, I've assumed a kind of uh, almost regal arrogance every time I go on, on the stage. And uh, that is the most difficult part of the show for me. The first uh, section of, of the show, which lasts about perhaps uh, 28 minutes. And it takes me, for a time, I get very little response from the audience. Uh, they don't laugh at the laugh lines and then gradually they accept me uh, and forget who I am I hope and uh, then it's, it, it turns into a perfectly normal audience can you tell me who that is Richard Burton that's right and who was his famous second wife 
Elizabeth Taylor. That's right. And by the way, if you want to see a great interview of him, check out a Dick Cavett interview that's available online. You might also be able to catch it on the Decades Network. They run the Dick Cavett Show. It is an excellent, excellent interview. He's very relaxed and talks about acting and is just, he's very humble. And so it was a very, very good interview. Next individual born in the state, 1932, died 2008 at the age of 75. He actually became famous, I mean, like really famous when he was a lot older. He was in his 40s when he really hit it big. Tell me who the actor is. You have a brief audio clue, Kimmy. Here it is. Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some of this shit. You're going to need a bigger boat. Bet your life I've made up my mind. But I'm telling you and I'm telling everybody at this table that that's a shark. And I know what a shark looks like because I've seen one up close. And you better do something about this one because I don't intend to go through that hell again. Can you tell me who that is? Roy Scheider. That's right. Born on this date, 1932. Next individual actor-comedian. He was on A Different World from 1988 to 1991. He played Coach Walter Oakes on that. See if you can tell me who he is. Here's a brief sample of audio. And I hate standing behind people at McDonald's. People act like they ain't never been to McDonald's. Got the same menu. And the menu on the left side is the same as the menu on the right. And you got some food going, uh, give me a, let me see if you have a, you know what they got? Get a double cheeseburger. And I hate going to the drive-thru. See, who made up the rule, whoever driving got an order for everybody else? You got a window in the back, tell the people what you want. It's automatic. Whoever drives got to order for everybody. And now, I know I like, I don't know what happens to you. You scream at the top of your lungs, don't you? Huh? The man can hear you. Got a headphone on his head. And the stupidest thing, the window right by the speaker. The man can just reach out. What? Can you identify who that is, Kimmy? No. That's Sinbad, who's having a birthday today. He is 61. Next person, actress, having a birthday today, Kimmy. Known for a TV series from the mid to late 1970s, going right into the 1980s. But she also starred in a film before that. See if you can identify the TV show she is known for, Kimmy. Here is your audio clue. Kimmy says, I know the name of that song or that, that TV show. What is the name of the TV show, Kimmy? One Day at a Time. This is it. Don't you 
got it right one day at a time. She was on one day at a time from 1975 to 1983. She was in 123 episodes. Before that, she was in a movie in the mid-1970s, 1973 approximately. Tell me who the actress is. What's the matter? Am I too ugly? Judy doesn't want me with her, and you know how you don't want me with you. Nobody wants me. Even my mother and father hate me. Everybody hates me. Throw me out, I'll scream. Can you tell me who it is, Kimmy? Michelle Phillips? No. Got the last name right, first name wrong. Oh. It's Mackenzie. Mackenzie Phillips. <laughs> yes, Mackenzie Phillips yeah, yeah, having yeah. a birthday today. How old is she within five years? Um, 60. She is 58. You get that? Can you tell me the name of her character on one day at a time? The you can, first name's fine. Can't. Julie Cooper. Oh. Yes. Tracy Morgan having a birthday today. Known for Saturday Night Live from 1996-2003 and 30 Rock from 2006 to 2013. Can you tell me how old he is within five years? No. He is 49 today. Next person, actress Kimmy, born on this date. Here is your audio clue. She was in a movie 2005. Here's that audio clue. Forget it, man. You can bang on that door all night if you want to. There is no way in hell I'm letting you in. Hey, man, plenty. Plenty of lost pay on account of how nobody wants to flirt with the waitress whose face is all purple and swollen up with bruises. There's a difference between getting honked off at a guy who's generally not so bad. Him. Finding out that you've been sweet-talked by a total jerk loser who skips out on a wife that he doesn't even tell you about every time he gets drunk, which is way too often. Especially the kind of total jerk loser who has to beat up on a girl to make himself feel like a man. I am impossible to get. Do yourself a favor, Jackie boy. And get help. Like a shrink. She played Shelley in the movie Sin City, Kimmy. Who is it? Yeah, one of my favorite movies. Yes, um, who is this? I can't pull up her name. Brittany Murphy. Mm-hmm. Born on this day, 1977. When did she pass away? Oh. Within two, five years. 2008? You're very close. 2009 at the age of 32. I see dead people. Notable deaths on this date in history. 1964, Jimmy Dodd died at the age of 54. He's an American actor best known as the MC, the host of the Mickey Mouse Club. Have you ever seen those 1950s Mickey Mouse Clubs, Kimmy? Mm, yeah. Well, he was the person that was like in charge of the thing, you know. Hmm. The MC, the, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, he wore the sweater. Okay. And, stuff. and he actually wrote the Mickey Mouse Club March. Oh. Yes, he died at the age of 54 in Hawaii. Next individual passed away in 1992. Kimmy, at the age of 71, he was an American actor known for films, but a big TV series from 1958 to 1963. Tell me who he was. The Rifleman. <laughs> Yes, he starred on that TV show from 1958 to 1963. What was his name? Well, that's too bad, Dalton. Now, let me tell you something. I drink with whom I please, when I please, where I please. No two-bit gunfighters coming in here and telling me what to do. You understand that? So why don't you stop beating around the bush? You got business with me? Let's get on with it. <laughs> 
You don't have to say. I got you figured cold. If I have to call you to make you admit somebody hired you to gun me down, then I'm calling you. Can you tell me the actor's name, Kimmy? I'm not too good with the westerns. Well, not even this one. Mm-mm. It's a classic one. He was in the movie Old Yeller. He played the father in Old Yeller. I know you saw that. Mm-hmm. Can't tell me who it was? Mm-mm. Starring Chuck Connors. Yes, Chuck Connors was on The Rifleman from 1958 to 1963. Matter of fact, he turned down the role originally. He beat out 40 actors for the role said, no, I don't want to do it when he found out what the pay was. His pay would have been less than what he was making in doing bit roles in films. And he said, no, that's okay. Well, the producers went and saw the movie Old Yeller with their kids, and they knew that was their guy. Hmm. So they went back and gave him more money and a percentage of the show. They believed in him that strongly. Wow. And that is how... He became identified with the Rifleman. He was also on Branded from 1965 to 66 in a fantastic episode of the Night Gallery. It's called The Ring with the Red Velvet Ropes. He's in The Six Million Dollar Man, an episode called The Price of Liberty, and Werewolf, which was a bizarre, bizarre horror TV show from 1987. He was in five episodes of that. He played an older, one-eyed werewolf. I have a feeling you've never seen that show, right, Kimmy? No. Next individual who passed away on this date was 2006, died at the age of 87. An American actor was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, playing the character Jack Wilson in the movie Shane in 1953 in a ton of films. I mean, a ton. Also did TV work big time. See if you can identify who he is. He has one of the most unique voices of the 20th century. A simple feather duster. In the hands of a servant, it guarantees unquestioned access to any room in the house. In the hands of a man named Eliasa Bosna, a feather duster nearly changed the course of World War II. The remarkable inside story of one of history's most audacious spies will be the first stop on our journey into the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. Kimmy, can you tell me who that is? I can picture him. I know who it is. All right. He starred in a 1989 movie, Kimmy. Tell me who he is. Here's one more clue. Jack, smart thinking. That's the way to go. In fact, I'd like you to handle this operation personally. Jack, it's an important job. I need someone I can trust. You are my number one guy. Now, don't forget your lucky deck. My friend, your luck is about to change. Get me Lieutenant Eckhart. Can you tell me who that was? Jack Palance? Yes, Kimmy, that's right, Jack Palance. He was in Batman in 1989. He was in the 1968 Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He played both, yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. And he was in the 1973 Bram Stoker's Dracula. He played the Count. He was in an episode of Buck Rogers in the 25th century in 1979. 
the episode Planet of the Slave Girls, and many other things, including a little sample we had from Ripley's Believe It or Not from 1982 to 1986. He was host. That is Jack Palance. Next person who passed away on this date, 2007, that's Lorraine Day, an actress, an American actress in a ton of stage work and film work and old-time radio work. She died at the age of 87 on this date in 2007. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job on this Flashback Friday. Well, thank you. And we're going to go back in time to the golden age of radio to honor something we talked about on Trivia. Radio So Riley and Kimmy Show, anytime we go back in time to the golden age of radio, we take that opportunity. And we're going to do that right now with one of Hollywood's forgotten. We are, we're shining the spotlight on actress Lorraine Day that we just talked about. She died on this date in 2007. She did a lot of golden age of radio work. And we have a fantastic example right now, something called Holiday Affair. Guess what, Kimmy? It is a Christmas old time radio episode. Ooh. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a you know, a romance comedy. What do you call those? Rom-coms, right? Yeah. It's a rom-com that, by the way, was a film first a year before it was released on radio and didn't do that well when it was originally released. Holiday films did not do well when they were originally released for some reason. Hmm. There's a whole a whole pile of analysis on that. I mean, example, It's a Wonderful Life did not do that well when it was released and things like that, you know, it, for some reason. Well, this one did not do well until cable TV came to be, and then it, it got a following. Hmm. Now, it has a fantastic radio adaptation. This is not the audio lifted from the film. This is its own radio production, and it's great because Lorraine Day is in it, and the co-star is Robert Mitchum, who was originally forced into the movie of Holiday Affair because Howard Hughes had his contract and Robert Mitchum had been arrested on marijuana charges. And Mr. Hughes decided Robert Mitchum needed to change his image a little bit, needed to do a little, you know, lighthearted kind of thing to, you know, be more accepted. And that's why Holiday Affair became attached to Robert Mitchum. Going back in time right now, here's Lorraine Day on the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's rather important to any large department store, especially at Christmas time, to know just what's going on at its competitors. A job entrusted to a group of experts known as uh, comparison shoppers. Right now, there's a comparison shopper in the toy department of Crowley and Company. Could you wait on me, please? I know exactly what I want. I want one of these electric trains. Well, now let me tell you something about this train. As you can see from this model... I'll take it, complete with accessories. I don't have to convince you? No, thanks. Well, that'll be $79.50 plus tax. I have exactly the amount right here. Oh, and I'll take it with me, please. Uh, We'll be glad to send it. It's pretty heavy. No, if you'll just put it in a box. All right. If you'll take this sales slip, you can pick the train up at the call desk. Thank you very much. Oh, can you tell me where there's a phone booth, please? Oh, phones? Uh, Right next to the elevator. Thank you. Hello, Miss Neely? This is Connie Ennis. Well, I have a report on those 54-gauge nylons. Gimbals and Bloomingdale's have exactly the same shade and price as we do. Crowley's? Well, that's where I am now. I just bought the train and... 
I, I was wondering if, if I could wait until morning to bring it in. It, it's getting awfully late, and, and the lady who takes care of my little boy... Oh, thanks a lot, Miss Neely. See you in the morning. Well, good evening, Mrs. Ennis. Well, good evening, Mr. Ennis. Oh, darling, it is good to see you. Mommy, look, look, I lost another tooth. Well, I should say you did. I put it on your dresser. You can save it for me. He's been a very good boy, Mrs. Ennis. Oh, hello, Mary. Dinner's all ready. All you have to do is heat it up. I don't know what I'd do without you, Mary. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. Good night, Timmy. Good night, Mary. Gee, all those packages. Are they for me for Christmas? Well, one of them might be. The big one, huh? No, not the big one, dear. That's for the store business. Mm. Now, let me look at you. You know, Mr. Ennis, you're more and more like your daddy every day. Mom, does it hurt much to die like daddy did? No, I don't think so, darling. Well, did Carl telephone? Mm-hmm. He said he'd be over later. Well, that's nice. Now, while I add a few elegant touches to our dinner, suppose you run along and wash. You bet, Mrs. Ennis. And keep away from my packages. There's an electric train in this one. I know it. I can hear the tracks. Timmy! I can't help, Mommy. I just feel so good. That package isn't for you, darling. Oh, sure. I know. I know. Now, look, honey. Christmas is wonderful, but but most of the time, if you wish for real big things, all you're going to get are, are real big disappointments. Yeah, I... I guess you're right. Now, Scoot. Oh, did Carl say what time he'd be here? Oh, just after dinner, I guess. All right, all right. Hand me a dish towel and put me to work. Now, here's the kind of man I like, Timmy. He gets here just in time to do the dishes. Getting all set for Christmas, Timmy? Yeah, kind of, I guess. Well, we'll go out tomorrow and pick out a tree, huh? Can I really help to pick it out? I wouldn't have it any other way. We might even sneak in a movie if I can leave the office early enough. Gee, thanks. I I think I'll go to bed, Mom. I'm kind of tired. Well, if you want to, darling. Just don't forget to feed your turtles and brush your teeth. Do I have to brush where the last one came out? <laughs> no, you brush around where the last one came out. Good night, darling. Good night, Mom. Good night, Carl. See you tomorrow, Timmy. <laughs> you know I wear everybody out at the office with the things he says. I may as well warn you that compliments will get you no place. The dishes. Okay, okay. You know, we make a pretty good team at the kitchen sink. Why limit it to the kitchen sink? Marry me and I'll buy a dishwasher. A cute little Frenchman with a tight <gasps> skirt. What do you say, Connie? Could you give me a little more time, Carl? Well, you've had almost three years. You've got to have someone to buy loud neckties for at Christmas. <laughs> I sure used to buy guys some buttes. Oh, how he must have hated wearing them. Oh, he loved wearing them, just like I would. Carl, I like you very, very much. You know that, but but I don't feel... Now, that... look. As a lawyer, I got a lot of divorces for a lot of people, Connie. But I never got a divorce for two people who really liked each other. But there's Timmy, Carl. Are you sure Are that you... Are you trying to talk me out of this? I promise you won't have to ask me again. If it's yes, I'll ask you. Does it feel like yes? Sort of. Well, this isn't getting the dishes done. You know, I'll never forget the day you hired me. There I was sitting at the employment agency with all the other girls. Hey, what are you doing still awake? Mm, just thinking. Is Carl still here? No, darling, he just left. Carl wants me to marry him, Timmy. 
Are you going to? I might. Why? Oh, for a lot of reasons, dear. We could be a real family. But I like us the way we are. I don't want anything to change. But we'd be the same, Timmy. Only better. Well, we'll talk about it some other time, hmm? Good night, Mr. Ennis. You too, Mrs. Ennis. But if you marry Carl, you won't be Mrs. Ennis anymore. No, darling. Not anymore. Oh, good morning. May I help you? Oh, oh, hello. Well, I, I... Never mind. Let me guess. You came to return the electric train, huh? It wasn't exactly what I wanted, and I... No, I, I didn't think it would be. Well, when I got home last night, my little boy said that it was oh, just... Oh, it was for your little boy. Anything so strange about that? What's your little boy's name? Macy's? Sachs? Gimbel's? Uh, Lewis and Fisher, maybe? Now, look, will you please just... Honey, I tagged you yesterday as a comparison shopper. You didn't ask a single question about the train. You had the exact amount already, tax included. He didn't even want it wrapped. What are you going to do? The same as they do over in your store. I press this little button. A store detective rushes up and he takes your picture. We show it to every sales clerk and that ends your activities in Crowley and Company. It ends my activities in Fisher and Lewis, too. I get fired. Well, if you're going to be a spy, you've got to expect the firing squad. My little boy ends up getting his shoes from the Children's Aid Society and you're a great big hero. Yeah, I thought we'd be getting back to little Butch. His name is Timothy. He's seven years old, and I support him. What does your husband do, working his way through college? My husband's dead. He was killed in the war. Would you uh, like to hit me over the head with this locomotive? Well, now what? Now I write you a refund slip, which I have a feeling I'm going to live to regret. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Name? Ennis. Connie Ennis. I'm awfully grateful. My job means a great deal to mm -hmm, me. Yeah. Address? 550 East 75th Street. Now you can do me a favor. There are 47 other departments in this store. Don't come back to this one, okay? Okay. Now then, madam, I believe you're next. Yes, I'd like to see the union suit you advertise. Ribbed cotton fleece lined, long-sleeved, and I believe it also... Darling, you remember. What? Oh, it's you. And now the size, madam. Uh, for your husband here? Well, I'd say about uh, 42 or oh, 44. Oh, no. <laughs> No, I want the special, the 56. Uh, yeah, 56. Oh, yes, well, uh, this may take me a minute, sir. Well, still engaged in commercial espionage, I see. Well, I'm staying out of your department, but what are you doing down here? I just got fired. Oh, no. Because of me? I was supposed to report you, you know. It's a rule. Little floor walkers have big ears. Well, is there anything I can do... There certainly is. When I was a working man, I used to eat lunch about now. I'll buy your lunch. I'll be glad to. Uh, that's roughly what I had in mind, uh, on one condition. I take you to my favorite restaurant, and I order for both of us. I'm entirely in your hands. Here we have the 56, madam. <laughs> it's the only one left, but I found it. It's exactly what I want. I'll pick it up later. Uh, but, madam, uh, really? Well, well, I ask you, 56? So I like them loose. <laughs> Your favorite restaurant, huh? Central Park. A lot of seals splashing in the water. And hot dogs and coffee for lunch. Oh, uh, care for dessert? I've got some peanuts. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm doing fine. You see that seal? Mm-hmm. Now, there's the happiest guy in New York. And he's never wanted to be vice president of the First National Bank. Well, do you? Me? <laughs> Not me, either. 
I just want to build boats. Boats? Yeah. Well, not the Queen Mary, little boats, sailboats. Well, then why aren't you doing it? Well, for one thing, the war nipped about five years out of my life. Then, later, I made the mistake of listening to people. Do something sensible, they said. Sell real estate or washing machines or mouse traps, but cut a few throats and wind up vice president. So I got me a nice, cozy job with a bank. Two years later, I woke up. In Crowley's toy department? <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it? Well, it's like this. I've got a good friend out in Oregon. He, he owns a little boatyard, and I'm buying into it. So now I just take any job I can get. Every time I get $100, I send it to him. It may never make a million for me, but it's more fun than digging for oil in Texas or coal in Kentucky or cutting throats in a bank. Oh, my gosh, the time. If you'd told me that anyone could keep me for two hours over a couple of hot dogs... Where do you have to go? Want to make us house furnishings. Say, do you always make people talk this much? No, and I don't always like listening this much. Do you mind if I tag along to Wanamaker's? Sure, you can carry all the packages. Oh, fine, fine. <laughs> Look, lady, I wish I could help you, but I'm only the doorman. But we were coming out of the store just now. He had all my packages. We got separated in those darn revolving doors. All right, well, how old is the little boy? He's not a little boy. He's a grown man with, with about 15 packages. Steve! Steve! Oh, for heaven's sake. Well, what's going on here? Connie, oh, darn it, we wanted to have the tree all trimmed by the time you come home. And I picked it out, Mom, by myself. <laughs> After a double hot fudge Sunday to give him strength. Well, it, it's the most beautiful Christmas tree I've ever seen. You're a fine picker-outer, Mr. Ennis. Say, how come you're home so early? I never did get back to Lewis and Fisher. Oh, I, I misplaced some packages at Wanamaker, so, so there was no point in going back till I found them. Carl, did anyone telephone about them? Uh-uh. Oh, we let Mary go home early. We're taking you out to dinner. Well, you're a very pleasant man. How about changing your clothes, Timmy? Yeah, come on. Let's see how fast you can do it. I know, I know. You just want me to go so you can kiss her. <laughs> now, how would he know about that? Well, what are you waiting for? Oh, I feel as lit up as that Christmas tree. <laughs> Connie, you told Timmy about us. What did he say? Well, you know how children are. They don't like changes. But I'm sure he's... Front door, excuse me. Who is it? Maybe you'd rather I come down the chimney. Steve! Well, where did you go to, a matinee? I looked all over for you. It's the last time I ever pick up a comparison shopper. Here, let me help you with the packages. Well, uh, hello. Oh, uh, Carl, this is Steve. Uh, Mason. Uh, Carl Davis. Hi. Uh, I lost her in the crowd. We were out shopping. We got and I separated. Got... We met at Crowley's this morning, and then we went She got out... me fired, and then we started... That's the how we met. And after lunch, he, he was carrying all those parcels for me, and we got separated in the crowd. Well, it can happen in the crowd, yes. <laughs> uh, but how did you find me? Well, it wasn't easy. This may come as a big shock to you, but Fisher and Lewis never even heard of you. Naturally, they never give out information about comparison shoppers. And then it dawned on me to look in the phone book. Uh, dear, why don't I get Mr. Mason a drink? Hey, this fellow's got it upstairs. I'll get us all one, huh? Sit down, won't you? Well, it looks as though we might have a white Christmas. That's right. Never seems like Christmas unless it is white. That's right. Still, we don't seem to get the big snows we used to. That's right. 
just comes down slush now. That's right. It's probably got something to do with the atom bomb. Hey, that's right. Understand they need rain in California. That's so. I'm from California. Is that so? Never rains. I was in California once. That's so. Rained every day. Very unusual. Uh, that photograph on the table, is, uh, is that guy? Yeah. Yeah, and Tim's a lot like him, Connie says. Tim's her little boy. Yeah, I know. Oh? He never knew his father, did he? No. No, but Connie talks about Guy all the time. That's wonderful the way she keeps him, well, sort of alive. Is it? After all, he's not alive. Huh? Oh, here, here, let me help you, dear. Thanks. Here you are, Mason. Thank you. Well, here's to a Merry Christmas. That's what I always say. Oh, here's Timmy. Steve, I'd like you to meet the man of the house. Mr. Ennis. Hiya, Tim. Hi. He looks exactly like you. Oh, do you think so? Everyone else says he's the image of his father. Timmy, I've got to ask you a couple of questions. I'm sorry, but it's a rule for grown-ups. Like how old I am and what grade I'm in? <laughs> That's right. Then when you get older, you'll have the right to be annoying to kids. Okay, go ahead. Well, uh, what are you going to get for Christmas? Clothes, I guess. That's what I always get. Something to wear. Well, I'll bet you won't be able to wear what I'm getting for you. A camera. How'd you know? Because you asked me if I wanted one a long time ago. Timmy, I don't think that, that sounds very nice. Oh, he didn't mean it that way. Anyway, he doesn't have to get me anything. Timmy, just for that, you can go straight to your room. No. Tim, now you do what your mother tells you. I don't want one. You can't make me. Timmy. Oh, now, wait a minute, son. I'm not your son. You can keep your old camera. Now, here, here. You better go to bed. And keep your hands off me and off my mother, too. Let me go. Let me go. Carl, get your hands off my boy. Connie. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Good night, Connie. Carl, wait. Wait. I'm sorry. I'd better go, Connie. Good night. Go to bed, Timmy, and, and you don't get any supper. I'm sorry, Steve. Yeah, so am I. I come to return a few packages, and look what happens. It didn't have anything to do with you. Oh? You didn't tell Carl about me. It wasn't important. Well, maybe not telling him made it seem important. He certainly went out of his way to take possession of Timmy. That may be why the kid flared up. No. No, I don't think so. Well, I wanted to see the Ennises at home. And you certainly saw them. And now I'll say goodbye. I, I think it'll save us both a lot of trouble. Now, what does that mean? It means that I might fall in love with you. Well, it's not impossible. I might even ask you to marry me one day, and you'd say no. Not that you're not right, but what makes you so sure? Because you want everything just as it is. The status quo. You and Timmy. No changes. Well? Connie, look. He's a wonderful kid. Stop trying to make him over into your husband. I don't know what you're talking about. You call him the man of the house, Mr. Ennis. You get upset when somebody doesn't think he looks like his father. Why don't you quit trying to hang on to something you've lost? I want everything just as it is, do I? I suppose that's why I'm marrying Carl. Well, if you do marry him, you're going to have a little problem with Tim, aren't you? No, I'm not. It will take a little time, maybe, but... But you're not quite as wise as you think you are. Okay, okay, I'm on my way. Uh, you mind if I say goodbye to Tim? Go ahead if you want to. Thank you. Steve? Hello, Timmy. I'm sorry I was bad before. Boy, you can sure kick up a fuss, can't you? You think Carl's real mad at me? No. You just tell him you're sorry. I bet he's a pretty nice guy. Steve, did Mom really get you fired? Hey, how did you know about that? I, I 
can hear things through the door sometimes. Uh-huh, especially, especially when you put your ear next to it, huh? Well, it seems I sold your mom a train, and then when she brought it back, I, I did something I wasn't supposed to do. You mean an electric train, red and silver, with a, with a whistle on Oh, you saw it, huh? Yeah, but don't tell Mom. I, I peeked. I thought it was for me, but it wasn't. Gee, it sure was a swell train. Well, maybe next year, huh? You keep wishing real hard till next Christmas. I wish for a train till my stomach hurts. Mom took it back anyway. Well, that shouldn't make a big fellow like you quit. Well, I'll go see if I can't rustle up some supper for you. Oh, don't worry. When I'm bad, Mom gives me supper anyway. <laughs> Good night, Steve. Good night, Timmy. Keep pitching. Merry Christmas, Connie. Did you have to do that? You sure scare easy. It was just a goodbye kiss. Good luck, Connie. Now, Mr. William Keeley, our producer. Act Two of Holiday Affair, starring Robert Mitchum as Steve and Lorraine Day as Connie. It's noon the following day, the day before Christmas. Connie and Carl have met for lunch, and it appears have patched up their differences. And once again, Connie, I'm so sorry about last night. It was all my fault. I don't know why I didn't tell you about meeting Steve. It wasn't Steve that bothered me, honey. It was that, uh, that take your hands off my boy. But you know I didn't mean that. Timmy's such a swell kid. You know, he even called me up this morning. Timmy? Yes, yes. He said he was sorry and that I shouldn't be mad at him and, well, a lot of other nice things. Oh, I'm so glad. You see, I didn't tell him to call you. It was his own idea. And that means that I... that I can ask you something. Well? Will you marry me, Carl? I mean, soon. New Year's Day. Connie. Or are you going to play hard to get? Oh, Connie. Oh, at last. Say, look. Look, we'll pick up Timmy later, and we'll have that dinner out that we didn't have last night. And then when Timmy's fast asleep, you and I'll sit on the sofa and... <laughs> Is that what married people do? Well, if they don't, let's set a precedent, huh? <laughs> hey, waiter, how about that check? Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Mommy, where are you? It's Christmas morning. I'm getting breakfast for you, which you'll probably never eat. Oh, Merry... Merry Christmas, darling. Oh, Mom, thank you. You sure did fool me. I did? Tell me I wouldn't get anything wonderful for Christmas. It was outside the door when I went to get the milk. Oh, gosh, Mom. Outside the door? In here, Mom, in here. I'll show you. A rocket express train. And there's a note in the box. You put it in, but you forgot I can't read very good. Let me see that note. Timmy, this train whistled at me when I passed by and said it wanted you for Christmas. It's signed Santa. Santa Claus. Oh, and this is for you. We'll open it up. Timmy, for me? It's perfume. Real perfume. It costs more than a dollar. Oh, Timmy. Oh, it's just beautiful, darling. You're surprised, uh, huh? Am I? But but how did you know I wanted the train so bad? I didn't tell anyone except Mr. Mason. Mr. Mason? Timmy, Timmy, about this train, 
Oh, darling. And I'm going to take better care of my clothes from now on and wash more, too. Jimmy, I didn't get you the train. Who did? Mr. Mason. Gee, he must be awful rich. No, dear, he's not. That train's the nicest thing anybody ever did for me. Except for you, I mean. Gosh, I'll have to thank him. Well, I may be able to do that for you. I have a few things I'd like to talk to him about. I'll go with you. But Mary will be here soon, and then Carl and, and Grandpa and Grandma... Mom, and we don't coming. have any presents for him. For Mr. Mason, I mean. I'm afraid we don't, dear. And the stores are all closed today. There's a lot of presents he might like under the tree. Those are for Carl. Well, we'll talk about it later, hmm? Now sit down and eat your cornflakes. But where are you going? I think I'd better telephone Carl. Timmy with a spoon, dear. And not so fast. Well, I'm amazed. What brings you to Central Park on Christmas morning? Because you weren't at your hotel. Oh, I don't live there anymore. So the clerk told me. Then I, I thought maybe you'd be here. Have some breakfast? The squirrel and I think this stuff's pretty good. The squirrel? Oh, oh yes. He's an orphan. I'm all he has in this world. <gasps> Steve, why did you get that train for Timmy? Because I wanted to. Well, it, it was very sweet of you, but I, I just can't let you do it. I want to give you back the money. Some of it now, and, and, uh, and the uh, rest uh, is... Sorry, the train is strictly a personal matter between my friend and me. But, Steve, really, anyway, it isn't right for Timmy to think he's always going to get everything he asks for. Well, for a kid that's been sold on no surprises at all, it seemed like a great idea. Well, he's just crazy about it, and about you, too. Oh, he sent you a present. No. He wanted to hand it to you personally, really? but... Really? Now, how did he know that I like noisy neckties? Oh, this I've got to wear right now. I'll just take this old one off. Hey, Mac. Yeah? You want a necktie? Yeah, sure. Well, what do you know? Christmas is here after all. And many of them. Thanks a lot, mister. Well, now you've made two people happy for Christmas and one person a little unhappy. Oh? Carl. He suspects your motives about the train. Well, so would I if I were in his shoes. I'm marrying Carl on New Year's Day. Good for you. He looks like a nice guy. Oh, he is. I know, Carl. We've been friends for so long, and now everything will be safe and secure. I, I feel just wonderful about it. <laughs> You're great at selling yourself a bill of goods, aren't you? Look, Steve, I... You were married once to a man you were in love with. You ought to know it's impossible to be safe and secure when you're in love. What are you trying to do, crawl into a cave and hide from everything that's going to stir you up? If I want to, yes. Well, I don't think you can. Life is going to crawl right in there with you and kick your teeth out. I'll manage very well, thank you. You've got to take everything that's coming to you, Connie. All the surprises, good and bad. I can't afford surprises. Every surprise isn't a telegram from the war department. I should have known it was a mistake to see you again. Then why did you come here? I told you why. To pay you back for the train. You could have mailed it to me. A three-cent stamp would take care of the whole thing. Look, Steve, I came because I... I just... Mister! Hey, mister! Hi. Are you the man who gave that man a necktie? That's right. What's that balloon tied onto your head for? Oh, my brother tied it on, and now I can't get it off. Well, the man said it was very nice of you to give him a Christmas present, and he said he wants to give you this one. He did? Uh-huh. So here. Well, I gotta go now. 
Hey, Milton, wait for me. Well, what do you suppose is in here? Well, nothing like finding out. And where would he have got it? Maybe he's an eccentric millionaire. After all, everyone who wears dirty old clothes isn't a hobo. Just like everyone who gives electric trains to strange kids isn't an eccentric millionaire. Look, just what I needed. Salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> Steve, not to change the subject, but why did you move out of the hotel? Because I found a cheaper place. I'm going to stick around just long enough to earn my train fare to Oregon. So you can stop worrying about me. I'm not worrying All about you. All right, so Carl can stop worrying. Look, since I'm not going to see you again, can't you have the decency not to be annoying? Sure. Goodbye, Connie. Have yourself a nice, quiet life. Thank you. Goodbye, Steve. brought me. Connie. Father. Mother. Oh, it, it's so good to see you again. Oh, Merry Christmas, <laughs> Merry darling. Christmas. You look wonderful, uh, honey. And this boy of yours. Oh, Connie, he's getting to look more like Guy every time I see him. Did Mr. Mason like his present? Yes, dear, I think so. Oh, yes, your young man, Connie. We're looking forward so much to meeting him. Oh, Timmy's told us all about him. We're very happy for you, Connie. Oh, now, wait a minute. Timmy's a little mixed up. Oh, I didn't say who... I just said you were going to get married. Not Mr. Mason? No, it, it's Carl. Carl Davis. You remember? Carl? Uh -huh. Well, I, I think that's just fine, dear. He telephoned again. Carl? What did he say? He wanted to know where you were. I said he went to Mr. Mason's hotel to see him. Oh, swell. <laughs> then what did he say? <laughs> he said he'd be right over. <clears throat> you see? I'm coming, I'm coming. Merry Christmas to me. Hi, darling. Carl, and look who's here. Mr. and Mrs. Ellis. Well, hello, hello, Carl. Carl. Merry Christmas. Connie <laughs> just told us the news, Carl. We're so pleased. Yes, she finally talked me into it. <laughs> and look, look who Mr. Mason bought me. Oh, yes, the train. So you saw Mason at his hotel? Well, no. Central Park. Uh, Central Park, dear? Yes. He eats there with the seals. <laughs> oh, well, did you give him back the money? He wouldn't take it. Well, it's a very expensive present. It does seem odd that he... Yes, doesn't it? It's just the kind of fellow he is. It, it doesn't seem odd at all. Well, what are you getting so upset about, honey? Oh, well, I... Look, I, I can't explain things better than I have, and I, I'm not even going to try. If there's anything about it that's bothering you, it can stop bothering you because... Well, because he's leaving town. He's going to Oregon to build boats. Going away. Boat, boat. So, so why don't we open up our, our presents and, and have a nice Christmas? Because there's somebody at the door. Oh, I'm closest, dear. I'll see who it is. Oh, Mr. Mason. No, Johnson Police Department. Police? Well, what in the world? Is... I'm looking for a uh, Mrs. Ennis. Well, I, Mrs. Ennis. Yeah, well, which one of you sat on a bench in Central Park this morning? Well, you know a man named Steve Mason. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's under arrest. He claims you can clear things up for him. Under arrest? The lieutenant will tell you all about it. Get your coat, dear. I'm going to. Oh, no, no, dear. Of course not. You... I've got him. He's my friend, isn't he? Oh, well, all right, but hurry. Right. 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 Hurry. Right. Right. Hurry. 
And you just stand there, Mason, and keep quiet. I'm running things around this police station. I just wanted to introduce you. Connie, Carl, this is Lieutenant Bolt. How do you How do? do? You do? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, at 9 a.m. in Central Park, a Mr. Marvin Fisher was hit on the head, tied up with a necktie, robbed of 52 bucks and some silver salt and pepper shakers, a present for his aunt in Flushing. A little later, Officer McCreary notices this guy. Uh, me. He's loitering, see? He admits he's homeless and unemployed. That doesn't Mrs. mean... Mrs. Ennis, you're interrupting me. <laughs> he also admits that the necktie belonged to him and he's got the salt and pepper shakers on his person. Uh, oh, oh, I see. I made a joke? I'm sorry. I, I just thought it, it... It was going to be worse. Mr. Mason wouldn't hurt anybody. Uh, thanks, pal. Lieutenant, I'm a lawyer. Oh, is that so? Well, if I ever need a lawyer, I'll look you up. And if I ever need a comical cop, I'll send for you. I'm defending this man uh, with your permission, Mason. And with my profound gratitude, but with probably no fee. Why isn't Marvin Fisher here to identify the suspect? Because he didn't see who hit him. Lieutenant, I think I can clear this all up. Well, if Clarence Darrow here doesn't object... No, you have no idea how interested I am. I was with Mr. Mason in the park. He gave his necktie to a man he thought was a hobo. A few minutes later, a little girl on roller skates with, with a balloon on her head came up with a present for him from the hobo. The salt and pepper shakers. A little girl with a balloon on her head. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you mind telling me whether a complaint has been lodged against Mr. Mason? What's he got to do with this anyway? He's my lawyer. And he's my fiancé. Your fiancé? Then what are you doing in the park with this guy? Well, I... I had to see him, and, and he was in the park. He eats there with the seals. <laughs> And early this morning, a train arrived, an electric train for my little boy here, from Mr. Mason. Oh, the guy's broke, no job, but he buys a kid an electric train. Why? Well, let's just say I felt like giving some kid a present and I didn't know anybody else in New York. Is that why you gave the hobo your necktie? Oh, that. Well, well, I had just given Mr. Mason a new tie, the one he's wearing now. Yes, it was under our tree. It was one of the presents she had for Carl. <laughs> you don't say... The romantic relationships of the parties involved are entirely irrelevant. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and why did he try to hide behind a rock when he saw Officer McCrary? I wasn't hiding. I, I, I was, uh... Well? Oh, you'll never believe this. Well, go ahead. Try me. I was feeding a squirrel. He, uh, <laughs> he, he's an orphan. He kind of depends on me. Holy jumping ranger! Get this guy out of here! You mean he's free to go? i got to let him go. If he isn't planning a skip town... Oh, I'm not. I've got a room. 220 Christopher Street. Oh, now you've got a room. Well, just till I earn railroad fare, I've got a job out in Oregon. Why don't you touch the counselor for your fare? I bet he'd be glad to get you a ticket just to get rid of you. Now, look, Lieutenant. Yeah, you look. This case is dismissed. Go on home. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Believe it or not, Steve... It only looked like I was trying to send you to the chair. (laughs) You did fine, thanks. And uh, why don't you let me advance you that train fare? Uh, Much obliged, Carl, but I couldn't think of it. Why can't Steve come home with us now, Mom, and and have dinner with us? Well, uh, I'm sure he has plans of his own, dear. But how could he? He said he didn't know anybody but me. And besides, it costs a lot of money to eat in restaurants. Uh, Thanks, Timmy. I'd love to, but I really can't. But, But why, Steve? Well, because I, um... Yes? Okay, I'll, I'll come. <laughs> and now, 
If no one has any objections, I'm going to make a little speech. I ate too much turkey. <laughs> yeah, so did I, but I'm going to make a speech just the same. Well, uh, just a toast, I guess. All right. <laughs> to you, Mother, and to the 35 years you've given to me. Every one of them good. Even the bad ones, because you were with me. Why, Henry? Carl, just be as happy with Connie as I've been with Mother. That's all. No, no, Mr. Ennis, that's not all. This has been the happiest Christmas of my life. From now on, I'll have a wife and son, and if Connie will let me share them, a mother-in-law and a father-in-law. And you, Steve, well, we all wish you luck in your new job in Oregon, and we're happy that you're not alone this Christmas, but with us. Yes, yes, Thank indeed. You. Now it's your turn, Steve. you got to say something, too. No, I, I passed, Timmy. I'm too full. But that's not fair. You, you have to say something. Well, you've all been very kind to me. You've taken me in, given me a great dinner, and there's really nothing for me to say except uh, after we've had dessert, of course, except thank you and goodbye. That's all I was going to say, but, well, you asked for it. Connie... I think Carl's one of the swellest guys I could ever hope to meet. Well, here, here. Oh, fine. But I think you ought to marry me. Uh, I, I think we'd better go in the kitchen, Father. Oh, yes, yes, the dessert and, and coffee. Uh, honestly, Mr. Ennis, I don't think anybody wants that just now. Maybe it's wrong of me to speak this way in front of Timmy, but I don't see how it can do a boy any harm to know that two men love his mother. Maybe it's bad taste to speak in front of Carl, but... Would it be better if I sneaked around and tried to get Connie behind the kitchen stove? I don't think so. And if you think this is biting the hand that fed me, then look at my problem. I've walked out of Connie's life a couple of times now, and each time something brings me back. Lost packages, a train, a cop, accidents. I'm afraid I can't keep counting on accidents. If I walk out now, I'm sunk. I'll never see her again. The way I figure it, when a man's in love with a girl, he's got a right to ask her to marry him. Any girl. Anybody's girl. What do you say, Connie? I think you'd better get your hat and coat. Fair answer to a fair question. And I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And that's that. Yes, dear. And that's that. In a few moments, we'll bring you Act Three of Holiday Affair. I chose our guest tonight because we always like to see effort and sustained hard work pay off. Miss Kay Christopher, our charming starlet, is an Illinois girl, a graduate of Northwestern University. Of course, you majored in dramatics, Kay. Oh, of course, Mr. Keeley. And I had two summer sessions at the University of Iowa. You know, they have a very splendid dramatic workshop there. So when you came to Hollywood, you weren't exactly a novice. Well, that's what I thought at the time, but goodness, what an ordeal my first screen part turned out to be. Especially the day the director got so angry when I just couldn't seem to get a scene just right. <laughs> yes, but you've been in many pictures since, so, well, you weren't too discouraged. Oh, my, no. It, as a matter of fact, it, it made me much more determined. Oh, and incidentally, Mr. Keeley, Faith Domerg, who stars in RKO's Vendetta, spent years of study before she even attempted a screen role. Oh, she's a terrific actress, and very beautiful besides. You know, she seems just right for the intensely dramatic part she plays. A proud young Corsican girl bent on the revenge of her father's murder. 
You know, vendetta fairly seethes with human emotions. And Faith Domergue has that dark, exciting kind of beauty that's just right in the mood of the story. Oh, and how gorgeous she is in those close-ups. Everyone will agree with you there, Kay. Her dark hair and eyes certainly set off that luxe complexion of hers. Yes, Mr. Kennedy, Faith is a luxe girl, like most Hollywood stars. And I certainly would neglect my daily luxe soap facial. And for a luxurious beauty bath, of course, the bath-size cake is just wonderful. Yes, that big bath size makes a hit with women everywhere. The lather is so rich and creamy, even in hardest water. It's active lather, you know, that leaves skin feeling extra soft and smooth. And that fragrance is so delightful, just like spring flowers. A really subtle perfume that's a, a blend of many costly flower fragrances. Thank you, Miss Kay Christopher, for being here tonight. Now, here's a suggestion to all the ladies in our audience. Try Lux Toilet Soap in the generous satin-smooth bath size. Depend on it for all over Lux loveliness, as famous screen stars do. Put this luxurious soap on your shopping list tomorrow. It makes a fine gift to slip in a Christmas stocking. Remember, nine out of ten screen stars use fragrant white Lux Toilet Soap. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Curtain rises on Act Three of Holiday Affair, starring Robert Mitchum as Steve and Lorraine Day as Connie. Well, it's the day after Christmas. Santa Claus has come and gone, and so has Steve Mason. And in Crowley's department store, a small boy with a large box has struggled through the crowds to Mr. Crowley's office. Mr. Crowley. Oh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Crowley. Emily, don't you know I'm listening to our radio program? Yes, Mr. Crowley, but I... This is Crowley and Company's meditation hour. Five minutes more of this and I'll be fast asleep. I'm sorry, sir, but one of our customers wants to see you. Nothing doing. I hate customers. Well, I, I think you'll want to see this one. He's roughly seven years old. He seems to be in a lot of trouble. Well, uh, turn off the radio and send him in, Emily. Come on in, Timothy. That's Mr. Crowley behind that desk. Ah, young man. You have something in the box, I see. Possibly some belated Christmas gift for me? No, sir. It, it's an electric train. Oh, is that so? Well, I hope it hasn't proved unsatisfactory. Well, I, I got two of them for Christmas. So please, can I have my money back? Well, now, let me see that train. What's this? What's this? It, it got broken in the elevator, but I didn't do it. Honest. No dramatics, boys. No dramatics. I hate dramatics. So you got two trains for Christmas, huh? No, no, no. I'll tell you the truth. Oh? I only got this one train for Christmas. Steve got for me. He's my friend. And he's real poor and he hasn't got a job. And, and he shouldn't have spent his money and I want to give it back to him. No, 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 no tears, boy. Gets me all squishy, you know. Yes, sir. Uh, just tell me this tale of woe from the beginning, huh? Well, well, I, I guess it all started with my mother. Her name is Mrs. Ennis, and, and she worked for Fisher and Lewis. <laughs> 
she's a comparison shopper. Whoops. Uh, anyway, she came here to your store. Connie, darling, please get hold of yourself. We've done everything we can. But Carl, Timmy's been gone for hours now. Oh, where could he be? What could have happened to him? Now, honey, you just can't go to pieces like this. The police have a full description of him. Why, he's probably What just... about the hospitals? What if there's been an accident? But there's and... been no report of an accident. <laughs> oh, Connie, now look, darling, it won't do any good just standing here and staring out of the window. Look, I'll go out again. Now, you can either come with me or, or better yet... Carl, it... hmm? Carl, look. Down there on the street. Oh, that... That's Timmy. Getting out of that car. But who's that man? And look, a chauffeur. Timmy! Timmy! Mom, Mom, I'm back! Timmy! Oh, darling. Darling, are you all right? Well, sure. Where have you been all afternoon? And who was the man in that car? Mr. Crowley, he's nice. He said he had a, wish he had a boy just like me instead of just his mother-in-law. Mr. Crowley? <laughs> you mean Mr. Crowley from Crowley's department store? Yeah. But that's miles from here, way downtown. I know, I almost got run over him twice. Run over and killed twice. Oh, Timmy. Oh, it's okay, I didn't. But why did you go to Crowley's? I... I took my train back. Oh, but why, honey? You, you loved it so. Oh, my poor baby. It cost too much. Steve hasn't got a job, and, and Mr. Crowley gave me the money back. Will you give the money to Steve, Mom? Please, Mom, he needs it. Well, well, we don't know where he lives, Jimmy. 220 Christopher Street. Remember? He said so in the police station. And tell him I didn't take the train back because I didn't like it. We'll tell him, sweetheart. Oh, Carl. All of a sudden, I've got a big grown-up boy. Well, this is it, honey. 220 Christopher Street. Carl, you give him the money. I, I think I, I'd better wait out here. You do? Connie, Connie, let's have a talk for a minute, huh? Hmm? In the case of Connie Ennis versus Carl Davis, I'd like to offer certain facts and evidence. I don't understand. The party of the first part, Connie Ennis, although loved by the party of the second part for three long years, successfully did avoid the idea of marriage between them. However, upon the entrance of a stranger into her life, said Connie Ennis, did immediately and suddenly consent to this marriage. But there's no possible connection between... Since meeting the stranger, Connie Ennis, normally calm and frank, becomes nervous and evasive. Carla, I don't think I like that. And you. upon a proposal of marriage from the stranger, a thing rarely insulting to women, she becomes outraged and orders him from her home. Well, for your sake, I, I couldn't... Nevertheless, have... having heard his address but once, she remembers it. Yet she's fearful of seeing him again. I don't know why you're saying these things. It's my business to recognize facts, Connie. I'm a lawyer. And in six days, I'll be a lawyer's wife. Will you? You know, I have a sneaking suspicion I ought to see if somewhere there isn't a girl who might be in love with me. Even a dumb, frowsy blonde who slops up the house and feeds me on canned beans. Carl. Now, go on, go on in and give him the money. I'll wait five minutes. And if you don't find more interesting company, well, then we still have a... Date for dinner. You're a wonderful person, Carl. Yeah, yeah. Compliments will get you no place. Uh, 
Come on in. Oh, it's you. Well, sit down. I'm just putting a pot of coffee on the burner. Thank you, but I'm... Now, wait. I'll close the door. Uh, the, the landlady said to keep the door open. Uh, let's worry you, huh? <laughs> I have $79.50, plus tax, that belongs to you. You know, I'm going to get sore if people don't quit chasing me around trying to give me money. Well, this is from t- Timmy. He took the train back to Crowley's all by himself. But why would he do that? I thought he was crazy about it. Oh, he was. But he wants you to have the money. <laughs> what a kid. Everything else all right? Well, everything else is, is fine. Well, then it looks like a happy new year all around, huh? Mm-hmm. I can shake myself loose from this penthouse, grab the first cheap train to Oregon, and you and Carl will be getting set for your honeymoon. Carl and, and I are not getting married. Oh? Well... I guess that's my cue to propose again. But I'm not going to. Nobody asked you to. Wouldn't you like to know why? Not particularly. Well, I'll tell you anyway. Carl isn't the the real threat to me, Connie. Maybe I'm not to him either. This isn't two fellas and a girl, you know. This is two fellas, a girl, and her husband. I can't fight a shadow. I tried. The competition's too tough. You were even going to play it safe and settle for someone you didn't love so you wouldn't be unfaithful to your husband. Oh, you're always so wrong about me. I have a wonderful memory of a husband and a marriage. You're trying to take it away from me. Nobody wants to do that. I don't, and I'm sure Carl doesn't. All anybody wants is for you to live in the present and not be afraid of the future. To quit pretending that something that's dead is still alive. All right, if it'll make you any happier. I want everything just the way it is. Mrs. Status Quo. Just Timmy and I, no changes. And all I want is a girl who'll drop everything and run to me, no matter what the score is. Well, maybe you'll find her, Steve. Goodbye. Here we go again. Always saying goodbye. I hope you'll find what you're looking for, Connie. Yes, and maybe something you're not looking for. Good luck. Well, I'm back, Carl. Well, what happened? It seems everybody wants a frowsy blonde this year. Guess I'm just not the type. Didn't you even put up a fight? Oh, Carl, please take me home. Sure. Sure, honey, I'll take you home. That's right, darling. But if we don't stop talking, I'm going to be late for my party. Mom, what did that telegram say before? Oh, just Happy New Year, dear. From Grandpa and Grandma? Well, no, it, it was from Steve. Now, where's my lipstick? Here, I, I guess I had it. I was drawing some pictures. Oh, fine. Is that all the telegram said? It said that he'll be wishing us a Happy New Year tonight on the train. He's finally going to Oregon. Now, go to bed when Mary tells you, dear. Where's the party, Mom? Russ and Harriet? Mm-hmm. Going along, huh? You don't have any fun anymore, huh? Well, I've got you, haven't I? You're my fella. Oh, sure, but heck, I'll be running out and getting married pretty soon. <laughs> well, not tomorrow, anyway. But when I do, you'll be all alone. I mean, uh, what if I move away? Well, where do you have in mind? Cairo or, or Baghdad? Oh, there's lots of places. Oregon, for instance... Of course, I'd write you a lot, but what I mean is... I know exactly what you mean. 
Boy, when you start growing up, you don't waste any time, do you? What are you thinking about, Mom? Well, since your plans are all made, maybe I ought to be thinking about my future. Come on, young man. You and I have things to do. Huh? Well, I don't get it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you all about it later. On our way to the station. The railroad station? But I still don't get it. There are Mr. Mason in this car. Mr. Mason, please. Steve Mason. Oh, yes, conductor? Uh, I have a note for you. For me? Oh, thanks. Uh, we hope you like surprises, too, Connie and Timmy. Car 269, Mr. Mason, Section D. Thank you. Steve. Well, uh, I dropped everything, darling. I ran. Gee, Steve, a real train's even better than an electric train. Connie and Timmy. Well, what do you know? Uh, look out the window, Timmy. You uh, may see something interesting. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. Can I turn around now? Are you through kissing? Uh-oh. The curtain falls on Holiday Affair, and all our thanks to our stars for making this such a happy occasion. Robert Mitchum and Lorraine Day. Well, Bob, I suppose you're all set to play Santa to your two boys. I sure am, Bill. But they're growing up awfully fast, you know. Jim's nine and Chris is seven. They're regular giants. Giants? Did you say giants? You're speaking of the men I love. <laughs> Lorraine, you literally live for the New York Giants, don't you? Yes, Bill, from spring training through the baseball season. But that goes from March clear through September. You ought to play on the team. <laughs> Just a minute, Bob. Our season goes through October. Next year, the Giants will be playing in the World Series. Oh. My, 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 such <laughs> faith. You know, I bet she believes in Santa Claus. I bet she does, too. I certainly do. I have the New York Giants and Leo DeRocher. And what do you have? Well, you can have Leo. I have Jane Russell in our new RKO picture, His Kind of Woman. Well, to <laughs> each his own. How about your children, Lorraine? I suspect they're giant fans. Well, my boy Chris certainly is. He has a miniature giant suit and Leo DeRocher's number on the back of it. Oh, how about your little girl, Michelle? Oh, she's a Lux Toilet Soap fan, just like her mother. I tell her that if she uses it faithfully, she might be a starlet someday. I'll bet on that. You know, the only thing that impressed my kids is that I was in a Hopalong Cassidy picture once. Now they want him for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know they're all set to get wonderful presents. Good night. Good night, Bill. Good night and Merry Christmas. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website 
at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.